Hey everybody, you're listening to The Marijuana Solution and this is your host Robert Roundtree. This episode we're speaking with Michael Minardi. Many of you know who he is. He is the gentleman that goes around the state as a criminal defense attorney and ensures patient rights and transparency in this industry. He's got many patients off for being growing in their or growing in their house under the medical necessity defense. Um, and I, I think He's just all around Cannon Warrior number one, especially in Florida and nationwide, in my opinion. How are you doing today, Mike? I am doing absolutely wonderful. How about you? I couldn't be better. The sun's shining. It's not terribly cold in Florida. I can still go outside with shorts in December, almost January. So life is good. We closed 2017 on a good note, and I think 2018 is going to be a big year for everyone. Well, I think so, and I think that if we all work together and continue to send a positive energy and help each other and send the good message that this plant we're all working for it continues to grow, that we will have a wonderful 2018. We'll get our medical program up, hopefully, uh, better than it is now, and we'll have an open market where everybody has the ability to get into this industry in Florida. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's what everyone's wanting to do is get into the industry uh, for a variety of reasons. Some want to just make a lot of money. That's perfectly fine. Some people want to be able to help patients. Um, Some people want to do education. I mean, veterans groups, a host of things. You mentioned opening up the market. There is a bill that recently was filed that a lot of people are kind of coining the franchise bill. Do you know anything about that or have an opinion on it? Um, I have not seen that bill yet, honestly. Um, I know there's been a bunch that have come out lately and will be more that will be coming out in the next coming you know, weeks as we get closer and closer to the 2018 legislative session. So, But I, I haven't seen the franchise bill yet. Yeah, I mean, I think it's garbage, so we'll move right past that. What I wanted to talk to you about, obviously, is uh, Regulate Florida. Um, You mentioned, you know, everyone working together, and it seems we ended 2017 with a big push by some organizations in the industry to kind of corral around Regulate Florida and push it forward. Can you explain to the listeners that may not be familiar with the Florida Cannabis Act, which is what Regulate Florida supports, um, just an overview about it? Well, it's basically the adults' 21-plus right to use cannabis, right to cultivate cannabis, and really be free from the strictures of government on their use of cannabis like we're continuing to fight now under medical marijuana. But we do spell it out clearly in the legislation, or I'm sorry, the amendment. We also you know, protect people's rights, state gun rights, employee rights, the right of people to be able to uh, use and choose as a business owner if they want to be able to allow people to use cannabis on their property in public, they can. That is entirely up to them. You know, we also set up businesses and require the state to license businesses. And if they do not, like this delay here across the state of Florida as a result of our legislation and lawsuits, and, and really it's basically because the legislature did not follow the dictates of the amendment in creating the legislation that they did. And therefore, we have to be in these lawsuits that continue to have to fight against and create an open market. But, you know, so we really have to 
continue to push this legislatively, lobbying, and publicly. But this amendment, you know, would do that. It would open it up. It gives the ability of municipalities to um, do and license businesses if the state doesn't. It clearly requires horizontal integration, and it requires one of the big things that I'm sure, and I know you're involved in a lot and going around and trying to get people at, and it's impossible to go to all of them, these counties and cities that are trying to ban uh, facilities in their Mm -hmm. area. Under Regulate Florida, our amendment does require that to be put to the vote of the people in that area, municipality or county, in order to determine whether or not they can ban it. We don't allow a board of six people to go against the will of 60 or 70% of the vote in order to ban facilities in their area. Yeah, anytime I hear of a really small committee deciding what's good for the best of people, I think of like communism and some of these other horrible forms of really dictatorship governments controlled by a few. So if there was a perspective where maybe in their county they had 45 percent or 48 percent of the vote, then I could understand that. But really everywhere in this state, the majority of the counties, there was 60 plus, never mind 50 percent plus, which in any democracy and when they're running, that's what they're facing, a 50 percent election. And that's why these types of things are good. And hopefully over the next couple months, we'll be identifying candidates that do support this issue and don't support this issue on both the local and state level and being able to educate voters so that we can make sure that we have those people in that support this issue. Absolutely. And you mentioned the local level. In my opinion, and a lot of pundits out there, that's where we as a community can have the most impact uh, in the shortest amount of time. You mentioned some of those dispensary bans. We flipped Orange County. They were going to ban them. And as a result, Apopka decided not to ban them. They, they mentioned the Orange County um, allowing them like 10 times. Well, and, and they are, and these cities, as they go along, are definitely looking at each other for their ordinances, for how to set up the zoning, for everything on it, because they don't know what to do. And realistically, they're all unfortunately afraid of it. You know, But they have to be afraid more of losing their jobs, and they have to be really just look at what's going on now and understand that they should be more afraid of the addiction and the problems that are going on with society you know, health-wise with these patients that need this medicine, they should be looking at that and the cost of that to our society versus the cost of having medical marijuana treatment centers in their backyard because it's all positive and they need to be educated on those information. Yeah, the the law enforcement resources that could be redirected to mental health um, just alone from cannabis – could be a really a really great thing for this state. We uh, we ranked last in mental health spending per capita in the country, fifty out of fifty. Are you, did you see what Uruguay did with their drugs? Are you uh, familiar with that? Uruguay, Portugal. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of states that are leading the way towards a more liberal attitude towards um, drug use and and you know it's substance use I mean alcohol is a drug we can say that chocolate is a drug anything that can create addiction and that necessarily may pose something negative you know we gotta stop these sort of weird stereotypes because prescription drugs are okay but illegal drugs aren't 
you know, most of these things were all created in a lab by someone at some point. Yeah, well, what Uruguay did is they decriminalized everything. And what they found out was they quit throwing people in jail for having mental illness and treating it with a street drug instead of a pharmacy drug. And they were able to divert that to mental health spending. And in South America, they have the lowest percent of substance abuse and the lowest percent of mental health issues. I'd like to look into Portugal and see what their numbers on that because they've had, you know, semi-decrim for, what, 10 plus years now um, and what they're doing over there. So, you know, it's an open policy and we just have to, at least at this point with what's going on in our legislature, focus on the patients first because really, you know, they're the most important and we can reduce it. We know we see the continuously the statistics out of every state, you know, $291 million saved in Medicare and 25% less opiate use and addiction and deaths and, you know, suicide rates going down. We know that this plant can help not necessarily cure a lot of those ills, but mitigate some of the harmful effects that we're seeing as a result of what's going on right now in our society. Oh, absolutely. Uh, when when legislation or amendments get passed similar to the regulate for adult use, we see all kinds of mind-boggling statistics um, compared to what pundits say, you know, the sky's going to fall. Uh, teenage drug use goes down, wages go up, DUIs go down, violent crime tends to go down. This um, politician at the Apopka meeting mentioned the only time that an increase in crime has been associated with dispensaries was in a study, and I believe it was out of UCLA. When they're closed. When they close. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolutely correct. You know, and it's interesting. And so I was talking to um, a, a gentleman from Washington State uh, at the MMJ business event in November, and he said that there he's getting together statistics, or they have them either in Washington, the LA area, where they're showing a 20% increase, and in not just you know, not revenue, but revenue to the businesses surrounding areas of dispensaries. So the gas stations, the markets, the, you know, food stores, the restaurants, they as well are benefiting as a result of dispensaries being in their areas. So these are things that we have to continue to get the statistics on and continue to educate people about because it's mind boggling as to how beneficial this is financially. It's a wise and sensible decision to make for a state, for a business, for anybody to say, hey, yeah, let's let's allow adult use, let's empty out our prisons, let's create jobs in the state and create an economy that, you know, can be more sustainable. Colorado every year earmarks the first $40 million of marijuana money, I believe, to the educational system there. First $40 million. Done. They get it. They're building new schools, hand over fist. And as an attorney, you know, you love walking into a beautiful courthouse but more and more lately and i'm like these courthouses now that they're building have you know flat screens and and behind all the jury booths in their seats and stuff so that every juror has a flat screen to look at for evidence and things they're just beautiful monstrous places and i'm like these are built off the backs of people off of lawsuits and mostly crimes you know what kind 100%. of 100 are we looking at when we're building these monstrositous buildings and, and I'm an attorney and it sickens me. 
Happy 420. You know, um, happy 420. Our educational (laughs) system and our schools like look like crap, and we have to buy the supplies for them. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh yeah, parents have to buy the supply. I mean, they have to foot the whole bill in taxes, and then if there's a um, requirement (laughs) for school, you're buying that. If you have uniforms, you have to buy that. You get a large list of supplies to buy for school, and it's not just buying for your child, but it's buying, you know, for the the class and everything. It seems to me with the list, you know, um, but it's everybody pitching in, and I get it, and I'm fine with it, but not when we're wasting our money on things that are unnecessary. One of the most unnecessary waste I see driving through Orlando every week is the central station for the Lynx bus. It looks like something out of the future. It's got LEDs all over it, really cool lines and architecture, and it's the bus station. It's ridiculous what we spend our money on. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap channel. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. We can generate, in, in Florida, let me put it into perspective for anybody listening, Colorado went from, I think, maybe like $20 million a year in tourism up to around $100 million. We already push over $100 million a year in Florida. We're, yeah. The money that will come into this state and enrich, whether you like cannabis or not, everyone will benefit because, like you said, schools are built, uh, roads get improved, there's more tax money to go into other programs. So I think it was Realtor.com did a study and um, oh, real estate. This is a good one. Yeah, an increase in real estate in the state market demands profitability on it. So there's also a boom in that aspect of it. You know, it's it's really amazing how many areas that this plant can touch, and that's the cannabis and the medical aspect of it. We also have the hemp laws now that hopefully there's going to be multiple companies within the next year or so planting and cultivating hemp in the state of Florida so we can start manufacturing textiles. 
Now, so. sorry to cut you off, but the hemp thing that intrigues me is the hemp that you're talking about that will start in a couple years. Is that under the research programs? Yes, they passed a hemp bill this year in the state of Florida that basically mirrors the uh, research programs. You know, you have to hook up with one of the two schools. You have to have a research project, and you know um, the rest of the rules will be forthcoming. But that's the basics of it. But we will hopefully within the next year have hemp cultivated and growing here in the state of Florida. That's amazing. I love to hear that. It's it's a step in the right direction. We can definitely say that. Absolutely. And the medicine aspect of the plant's only like a really, really, really small portion of what is going to happen when it's finally able to be freely, um, you know, developed in, in an open market. There, it's unlimited, the uses, like maybe a couple thousand. It is... Um, not even, it is a drop in the bucket. It is minuscule in comparison to what the hemp plant can do and how much it can bring. So I mentioned earlier a little bit about the medical necessity defense. That's what you're most known for. And that's, that's a great thing. A lot of people still don't really understand it and they think it's like an offense. And I still see doctors selling cannabis out the back door, mentioning the medical necessity defense. Can you kind of explain it and when it applies? Well, the medical necessity defense is an affirmative defense. And, you know, it was attempted to file an injunction prior to on the Kathy Jordan case to be able to allow Kathy Jordan to have a right or an injunction against the state and the law enforcement from going in and arresting them again after she got arrested and we got her case dismissed. And, and, you know, that got thrown out of court as a lack of standing. The medical necessity defense is affirmative defense. It's the best way, and I explain it to jurors a lot. You know, I ask everyone, are you allowed to kill someone or shoot someone? No. But what happens if someone breaks into your house and kicks down your door and you shoot them? You have the ability to argue something called self-defense, right? So is murder allowed and is murder legal? No. But in that situation, it's justified based on those facts and circumstances. Just because you got off on shooting someone when they broke into your house doesn't mean you could be walking on the street and shooting someone and kill someone and now you're all of a sudden immune from getting arrested from it. So that is the example as to how I say the medical necessity defense applies to patients. So in a situation where, you know, they are in a situation where they have tried all the different options, they didn't bring about the illness themselves, and they have no reasonable alternatives, and the harm to them is greater than the harm to society, you know, they are able to and, and should be allowed to argue that defense that I am using this for survival. It's based on the duress um, defense almost. It's, it's kind of based on those types of issues from common law. And we're lucky to be able to have it in this state. But it's basic humanity from my perspective. You know, does this person have any other alternative? Should they be able to use this plant? But... You know, the argument is going gonna, is gonna to get much more difficult, especially when people have illnesses that are 
covered under the medical program here in Florida? You know, so what and why are you choosing to use it illegally when you can get your medical card? So in it, it, those situations, it is going to be much more difficult to um, probably argue in the future, uh, depending on the situation, the circumstances, and, you know, the issue. So I do still think it could be an issue in the flower versus the stuff that's available now as well to be able to argue. And the, it seems like affordability. I don't know anyone that can really afford a ton of medicine at over-the-counter prices. That would um, absolutely be another issue. Uh, and whether or not, you know, um, that would be mostly, I guess, up to a jury, I guess. You know, to determine whether or not that they believe that that was uh, a legitimate alternative for people. So one of the things that was argued in one of the cases, um, I believe Bridget Kerouac's case as well, you know, she was from Maine and she was a patient in Maine. And the issue basically became as well, why did you move to Florida? You know, what was the necessity about you moving to Florida? Why did you have to, you didn't have any other options to go elsewhere? And, you know, in, in her situation, it was a chronic pain issue and um, the difference and the, the ability to withstand extreme cold temperatures in different climates is totally different. We are very lucky here in Florida, but anybody with chronic pain who goes up into the cold and where it is now, you know, that chronic pain is, is three times and not, if not four times worse and can potentially, like it did with her, leave her bedridden most of the winter. So, you know, those are the types of things that we have to deal with, but, you know, you never know what is going to be argued from the state attorney's office and, you know, what the situation is going to be and what the witnesses are going to testify to. But, you know, I think affordability is a huge issue. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see, I guess, what a jury says about that at some point in time. Hopefully not, but. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of juries and deciding fates, I had a veteran contact me the other day. He's a patient. The way he characterizes it is he was caught with about a bud of pot, and now he's going through the veterans court in West Palm Beach. Ugh. Yeah. The you know, no the I no flower thing is really screwing people. It is. It is. And it's, it's something. Is he a patient? It's something that I'm continuing to challenge on the issue of legality. So if anybody does get stopped with flower and they're a patient especially, um, and it's just a possession case, you know, it's the same argument that Redner is making in court. We have the ability to make that, and I am making it in criminal court with that, with hemp, you know, with a lot of these issues, because I believe under the Florida Constitution, as we voted in by 71% of the public, you are allowed to have flower under the amendment. And there's no way that they can stop you and they should be able to stop you. And if it's not going to be done in the civil courts, it has to be argued in the criminal courts, just like we challenge and fight laws on constitutional basis all the time. So that's something people should challenge. Um, the issue of people being drug tested on probation and can't test positive for THC when they're patients as well needs to be challenged and fought because I think that's unconstitutional. Our amendment clearly states 
that you shall not be subject to any criminal liability, civil liability, or sanctions for being a qualified patient under this amendment. And obviously a violation of probation for using your medicine is a criminal penalty when you're put in jail and thrown in jail. And unfortunately, there's been a couple of veterans who have already had undergone that and, and went through that. Um, and it's 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 mind-boggling right now. And when I talk to drug courts and um, courts and probation officers across the state, everybody has a different policy on it right now. I do not know every policy in the state where they're at. It's obviously my belief that, you know, absolutely, you're a qualified patient. You have a medical card. You have a right to use cannabis, just like if you brought in your prescription for opiates or anything else, you have a right to use that. And even more so because this is a constitutional right under Florida constitution. So, you know, this is a long road that we're going to have to fight. And there's going to be a lot of different battles that we're going to have to face. And, you know, we're going to try to do so on many different levels. One of the issues that um, hopefully a new organization that I'm going to be involved in, or I am involved in, uh, is going to be challenging is the seasonal resident requirement, I'm hoping. And that is basically, you know, under our amendments, as any person can be a qualified patient, someone should be able to come here, see a doctor, you know, get their medical certification and you know, go through the process of getting their card from the state and be a medical patient. Shouldn't have to wait here. Shouldn't have to live here for 30 plus days. You know, you shouldn't have to be a special child and, and go to school here, or show proof of enrollment or anything like that in order to get a medical card. You know, these people and these patients should have rights too. And we're going to continue to try to fight for their rights as we go through this legislative session and throughout the year. And if not, it's even more reason why we need to have Regulate Florida because from our, my opinion, Regulate Florida is all also about no patient being left behind. Patients should be able to cultivate. Every patient should be able to have this. You shouldn't have to be on a specific list of illnesses to be able to say, oh, I can use marijuana legally versus you know someone else who may not be on that specific list, but we know cannabis works for. Yeah, that's something Regulate Florida that I really like is the freedom to cultivate your own. In a lot of other legal states, that doesn't always come as part and parcel of the legalization movement. Uh, for instance, in Washington, you can cultivate your own, but you have to go through the process of getting put into a registry. And a lot of people don't like that. That's why a lot of people don't get, especially veterans or gun owners in Florida don't like getting into the registry right now because we see what's happening in Hawaii and other states. Can you explain how uh, Regulate Florida well, protects that? And realize in Hawaii they did retract that. The chief did retract that. I bet they did. And said, and said, hold on, we're going to look at the policy. And from an article, a couple articles that I read, that it was someone underneath the chief that made that decision. Um so Regulate Florida does specifically exclude it from multiple different statutes, including the gun possession statutes, uh, the care, you know, to make it consistent with this def the definition of, of cannabis and use um, and marijuana. So we do remove those from the statute. Same thing is to alter the paraphernalia statutes to allow paraphernalia in this in the state you know, to be used for the products and, and devices and things like that that people want to use for their their cannabis. So we specifically do exclude those. Um, 
you know, and, and have a section in there uh, in our petition regarding those issues specifically. So, and I can tell you the specific sections. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register before May 1st for an early bird discount of 50% off now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Join us for the 2019 U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo August 3rd and 4th in Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Expo.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. It's the Florida Cannabis Act's effect under uh, Florida laws relating to cannabis or marijuana. It's Section G of the petition. So, you know, that's where it says... um, Specifically, no later than six months, they shall remove from the definition of actual possession of a firearm or destructive device the word cannabis to accommodate possession consistent with this section. You know, those are the types of things that we did in order to to sort of allow and permit um, at least state gun rights. So, you know, that is an issue, and, and the feds is another issue as well. So we have a lot of issues going forward that could potentially be argued on some basis, but you know, there's a defense and an offense to everything. The interplay of these laws and the Roebacher, Blumenauer amendment to the budget, all those things are dependent on these things continue to be pushed on the federal level as well as the state level. So we have to influence both local and state politicians, but also don't forget about our federal politicians. We have to make sure they understand that we want the continued support of the expansion of this industry, not only in the state, but across this country. 100%. Now is definitely the time to put more uh, weight onto that gas pedal. We can't let off now. Well, we have to. And, you know, Sessions is doing everything that he can to scare people away from this industry. So that even means more to me that they're afraid because they're saying it, but they're not doing anything because they know that there's now, what, 30 states plus Washington, D.C. with medical. You know, you now have eight plus Washington, D.C. with legal. You have New Jersey potentially going to legal. Uh, New Hampshire in January is having a, a vote on a legalization bill. You have Vermont potentially going to adult use legalization. 
people are seeing the money and they're looking at it and they're saying, what's the cost-benefit analysis of it? I mean, it's smart business decision as well as a societal decision to stop locking away good people and, you know, stopping them from getting jobs and having a, a good life and taking them away from their families, whether it be counseling or probation or jail time or money that they have to put into the system and allow them to continue to, you know, use cannabis like alcohol, like other substance that we can legally allow to use every day. And if you want to talk about the cost to society, the cost of tobacco use and sugar and obesity to society is ridiculously large, you know, in the hundreds of billions of dollars every year to fight those illnesses medically. And I have it right here actually on my phone. I'm sure it's pretty astronomical. So these are issues that we have to educate people and let them know that this plant benefits in so many different ways um, on an economic level, on a health level, on a just, you know, the environment level in regards to if we decide realistically to, you know, use hemp and start using it for products, we can help bring back, you know, a, a cleaner environment. It can clean our soils. It can clean our air. It can create renewable energy, renewable textiles. You know, it, it, I was surprised that I was, I'm, you know, looking for biodiesel fuel made out of hemp, and there's really not a place in the world that is, is making it because of the cost-benefit analysis at this point. And, you know, it was one of the first fuels that we used in this Wasn't, country. Didn't Ford use that for a car? Exactly. The first one of the first vehicles was, was meant to, to, you know, run off of that. So it's $190 billion, the cost of obesity a year um, on our system. And when we talk about it's 156 to $170 billion for direct <laughs> medical care for adults. Um for smoking-related illnesses like tobacco-type products, and $5.6 billion in lost productivity due to secondhand smoke exposure. Now, those are stats of something that you can buy in every single corner store, tobacco. And that's the cost. We want to fix our healthcare system. Stop, make tobacco company pay for all the illnesses that they cost. $300 billion each year smoking-related illnesses in the United States cost. That's, uh, that's a lot of money that could go to something <laughs> a lot better. $300 billion. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And but then was, sugar. Sugar's insane. Um, I watched this movie, Sugar Coated. Yep. Ridiculous. I mean, sugar's in everything. And it's. Uh, I made a post about it the other day on social media. It's generally recognized as safe by the USDA. And, well, it's a toxin. I mean, it's it's like a toxin to our liver and brain. I mean, everything. It's it's not good yeah. for you. And then we go into alcohol, and I got to pull up the PDF to get to the alcohol statistics for but all the lushes out there. It's it's just as it's just as much. You know, it's it's another hundred and fifty billion or so in in costs that we have to generate in order to, you know, cover the cost of people using substances that are legal. 
you know, and yet cannabis, people want to use it to get off of prescription drugs, to get off of, and I've had many veterans, unfortunately, with PTSD or people with PTSD go to alcohol abuse, you know, because they oh, don't 100%. have any other alternatives. And, you know, this could also then reduce the cost of that with them. You know, so this is amazing. And we have to continue and, and thankful to the podcast like you to get this information out there. And Regulate Florida can really, I think, allow and continue to push the envelope to make sure that all of those things happen and that people have jobs. Hundreds of thousands of jobs would be, you know, created in the state economically. Colorado made $1.3 billion last year. As you said, they tripled in tourism. You know, they have about uh, 5 million people there. We have 20 million. This is a, easily a $3 billion market here in the state of Florida the first year. $100 million, I estimate, the first month of adult use sales in the state of Florida. Oh, it's going to be ridiculous. And it needs to happen. That's why I want everyone to go to regulateflorida.com slash petition. You can download the petition, sign it, fill it out properly. Put the county, not the country, and put the zip code, not the state, and sign the back and send it in. We also need donations to come in. I started donating some money through my company, Conscious Communications. I saw Sunshine Cannabis is donating money and some other organizations. So 2018 is going to be a big year for Regulate Florida, in my opinion. What people have to realize is that it's not about when. If we want this to happen, we have to make it happen. It's not going to happen sitting at home. You know, we're sitting here all day on a Saturday um, sorting petitions, you know, getting them done and ready. It's going to take action. It's going to take activism and it's going to take donations and people tossing in $20, $50, $100, you know, 500000 Whatever they can do and whatever they want, we can give them the information. They can be a part of the organization, know what's going on. And we can really push this over the top. We can do it. We showed it with passing medical by 71%. We can do the same thing with adult use and have the ability to grow in our own home without having to worry. You don't have to get on a medical card list. You don't have to get, you know, your potential gun taken away or cops looking at you funny or be on any sort of list. You just have to choose to use cannabis and you have the right to do so. That's right. And when it comes up, vote for it. Tell everyone you know about it and get involved. You can uh, sign up to be a volunteer, too, on the website. You can even reach out to me on Facebook, uh, on any of my pages, on my website. However you want to get involved, we'll, we'll find a place for you. Yeah, please. We're, um, you know, we're going to be having more regional coordinators and statewide coordinators um, over the next year going towards, you know, unfortunately not. 2018 ballot but to the 2020 election and um, the presidential election which is the year that United for Care did it in and they passed it so we are going to do it and we need everyone's help to do so and we appreciate it absolutely and I appreciate you taking this time to speak with me today Michael I know you're busy sorting petitions and I interrupted that earlier trying to get in touch with you and I I'm humbled thank you and honored no problem. It would be uh, great to have you here next time, and we'll see you guys soon. Absolutely. Okay. Together we can. And together we will. 2018. Keep it going forward, guys. Bye. Thanks. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Marijuana Solution. Oh, well. 
aware of the Starwan solution. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.